Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. And I do count it as an honor uh, anytime I have the chance to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's an honor, uh, and I thank God for that. Peter did that. If you have your Bibles, I want you to be sure to turn to the second chapter <clears throat> of the book of Acts and look specifically at verses 36 through 43. Now, I want you, if you have your outline, an outline before you, I want you to forgive me. And Nick, where are you? Right there. I see you back in the back. Uh, you forgive uh, Nick uh, also because I come from Tennessee and, and Nick comes from Kentucky. And I grew up walking and talking and fishing and hunting. There's no G's uh, in, in Indiana or Indiana, in, in Tennessee or in uh, Kentucky. You don't ever put a G on the end of anything. It always ends in N. And so if you look at the outline, the outline I have before me, this is fishing's more than wishing. Uh, fishing takes some switching and fishing's all about catching. And the message behind that is the message that Peter shared with the people in Jerusalem that day after Pentecost, that day of Pentecost. A message of what it means to know and trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What it means to give your heart and life to Him and understand that He is the one that makes the difference. And all of this happened after, after, mind you, what happened in Acts chapter 1 in verse 8. And I won't give you the whole message again that I gave last Sunday because some of you have heard it once. But you know what verse 8 says. And when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It all begins with that issue of the power that Jesus Christ invests in us through God's Holy Spirit working in our lives. And that's the message that we've sung about this morning, about what it means to know that truth, to experience it, and not to try to do things on our own, but recognizing that God can do all things through us. That's what Paul says. He reminds us of the fact that we can do anything through that relationship we have with him because of his infilling in our lives. And if you don't hear this this morning, I want you, if you're a believer here this morning, and you don't understand what it is to be full of the Holy Spirit, be filled by the Holy Spirit, be empowered by the Holy Spirit, you need to go back and you need to read the book of Acts. And you'll see the change that God brought in people's lives. God changed Peter. God changed John. God changed those disciples. God changed each of the people that heard the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what happened after Pentecost. Do you remember what the people thought after the people, the men and women that were there began, I think specifically men in this group, but they began to share in the language of all the people who were throughout the Roman Empire at the time. What was the result? The people heard the message in their own language. 
And they understood that message because God had given them the power to do it, even as he'd given those people that heard and were filled by the Holy Spirit the power to share it. What's changed in the last 2,000 years? Absolutely nothing has changed about that relationship. We are totally reliant upon God's Holy Spirit working through our lives to do what he's called us to. And that's the message that Peter shares with those who are listening. And my prayer would be that my ears would be open this morning to the truth of God's word. Look with me in Acts 2, beginning in verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to their heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, it's for your children, and for all who are far, far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. Has, has, has anything changed in the world? Look at, the, look at that next, what he says. And save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and in prayer, and everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we pray, pray this morning, every believer who is here this morning, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be present among us. That relationship we have with you is, has its foundation, its bedrock, in that relationship that we have through your Son, but in the presence of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And I pray, Father, that you would speak through me, but that you would open the ears of each of us who are listening this morning, each of us who are watching and hearing what your Word says to us. Help us to be filled with that Spirit, and Father, in doing so, that we would live our lives in such a way that the world would see and hear, as they did in the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, the message of the gospel proclaimed, for we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Jesus had a special relationship with fishermen. We know at least six, at least, and probably there were more than that of the twelve. Each, they were all fishermen. Many of them were fishermen, had something to do. Uh, you, you, know the, you know the list. Thomas was a fisherman. Uh, Peter and his brother Andrew were fishermen. James and John were fishermen. Nathaniel was from Cana. He was a fisherman. And then, of course, we have a guy named Matthew. And you know what he did? I thought, I've thought about this before. Matthew was collecting taxes from all those guys. And we all love a tax collector, don't we? Uh, but how did God change their lives? He changed their lives in a way that is amazing. He did it in in Peter's life, in Andrew's life, this way. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, we see Matthew shares with us this message. As Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew, and they were casting their net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, 
said Jesus, and I'll make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and they followed him. That call that Jesus has for us is no different than it was for Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. You remember who it was that brought Peter to Jesus? Andrew was the bringer. We see that. Andrew's the one that said, hey, I, you need to come listen to this guy. You need to hear him. Andrew's also the one. He's an amazing person when you think about it. When Jesus is looking at the crowd, the thousands that need to eat, and there's not enough food, do you remember what Andrew did? Thank you. Andrew brought that little boy up with his sack lunch, all right? He brings a sack lunch. That's all it is. And Jesus blesses that and feeds the thousands with that meal. You and I have that same possibility. You and I have that same capability. If we give to Jesus, if we give to God what it belongs to him in the first place and allow him to bless it, allow him to use it, and allow him to take it and use it for his glory through our lives. That's what Andrew did. But did you hear what Jesus said to these guys? He said it and he made it very clear. I recognize that you're a fisherman, but I'm going to make you fishers of men. Do you think that's an analogy that those guys understood, those fishermen understood? I've got it. We lived in North Carolina. I have a net uh, that is a cast net. Some of you may know what I'm talking about. It has lead, has lead weights on it. And you spin it and you throw it out. It has a rope on the end of it. And when you pull that close, you know what it does? It catches the fish in there. But here's the thing. It also gives you the capability to draw them in. That is what you and I are called to do every day of our lives. If you're a believer here, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he has called you to be a net caster, a net drawer. It's not enough for us simply to throw it. We're called to draw it. But we don't draw it in to ourselves. That's what fishermen do. Fishermen eat fish. We don't eat one another, although that happens sometimes in the church, doesn't it? Sometimes in the world, we devour one another. But in this situation, we don't draw people to us. Preachers don't draw people to them. If they do that, they've got a false god standing in front of them. We draw people to Christ. That is the message that Jesus shares with those who are going to follow him. And he does the same thing in your life and mine, that we would follow him in everything that we are about. It's a new mission. It's different from what we've had. <clears throat> it's not one that we necessarily uh, understand. Peter was not one who understood. Think about the amount of time, around three years, that, that he was with Jesus. Do you remember the story of the rich young ruler when he came? Jesus ended that with a a message that basically said it's more difficult for a rich man to go through the eye of a needle, a camel to go through the eye of a needle, than for a rich man to come into the kingdom of God. You remember that? You remember what Peter said? This is Peter who is preaching this sermon right here. The message is pretty clear because Peter says this, Lord, we've left everything. And sometimes as believers, we think that's where we live that we've given everything up. In my life, continually, I see where I haven't done that. You know what I'm doing? 
I'm carrying all the sins that I had years ago along with me because I don't want to let those things go. Those are memories. Those are things that I've done that I, don't, I just don't let them go. It's hard for us to let our past go, but it's also difficult for us to remember that in Christ, our past is behind us. We're going to see that in just a little while. In the message that we read earlier, it's there, and you're going to see it lived out in the lives of those who listened that day, that we understand God's gift of love. And that is the expression. Peter was the, also the one, this is the one that we don't want to hear about. What did Peter do when he was at the house of the, of the high priest? Remember what he did? Hey, one of the women there said, you were one of them. I saw you with them. No, I wasn't. Another person comes up and another person says, yes, you are. You're dressed like one of them. You look like a Galilean. And finally, a third person came. You remember what Peter did? He began, to, he began to call down curses on himself as he swore he never knew Jesus. How many times in your life has God given you the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ with somebody and you simply say, you know what, oh, gosh, I've got too many other things going on right now. I'm too busy. You may never have another chance to share that message with somebody that you love, somebody that you meet, somebody that you talk with. And God provides those opportunities to every one of us. And that's the message he's trying to communicate to those people who are listening to him that day. That they would understand that they are drawn to a Savior. And Peter says, nobody's drawn to me. They are drawn to Jesus in this relationship. And that the hope that we have and the life that we have all comes through him and through what he has done for us. It's not about what we bring. It's not about what we do. It's, actually, it's not even about our failures or our accomplishments. It's all about what Jesus Christ means to us and has done in and through our lives. That's the message that each of us are touched by the person of the Holy Spirit. The first thing we see is that fishing is more than wishing. My dad had a saying he used to say, you'll never catch a fish if you never wet a hook. I'm looking at Nick to see if he's ever heard that. That may be something that's just common to my neck, neck of the woods in Tennessee. You know what my dad was telling me? If you want to catch fish, you got to go where the fish are. Where are the fish in this neighborhood? You, you already know, don't you? Because you're having ministry with them. You have the food pantry that you do. You have a clothing closet too. I've been, I've seen that. You do those things, you do those and you bring... You're trying to bring people in. But if all we do is clothe and feed people, we've lost the opportunity, haven't we? What did Jesus do every time he brought people in? He gave them an opportunity to hear the message of God's kingdom and how it had been fulfilled in him. And how, more importantly for us, how it can be fulfilled in our lives. That's what he did. He did that same thing every time he healed somebody. He sought to share with the people, the person that was being healed, and the people that were surrounding him, along with the disciples, that all of this came directly through God's hand in his life and in their lives. And all the glory went to the Father. When you do something, are you about getting attention for what you do? Do you want everybody to know, see, I'm this way, you want everybody to know what you did? Well, let me tell you about this person I talked to. Let me tell me, oh, you know, we had a great program. We did. 
The programs that we do, and I thank God for what you're doing here at Grace Baptist Church because you're making a difference in people's lives. But if it doesn't give glory to God, if it doesn't give that result back to Him, if we don't lay that at Jesus' feet and say, thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity for us to be participants with you in telling people the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the that's where we are. But what we, what we do is that we begin to think about the things that we wish that we had. Lord, I wish that you had given me a more eloquent voice. I wish that you had given me a means to communicate more clearly. Lord, I wish that you had kept my memory like it was 20 years ago. Lord, I wish you had made me better looking. Lord, I wish we had a better choir. Lord, I wish we had more youth. I wish we had more young people in this congregation today. Lord, I wish. How many things have you ever gotten by wishing for them? That didn't happen in my life. Karen was talking to me about this just yesterday. Oh, she's squirming. You watch her. She'll squirm when she hears these words because I didn't. Karen usually has a good idea what my message is going to be, what I'm going to share. And she'll say, oh, no, you didn't say anything about me when you told me we were going to do this. Robert would tell you this. He may have told you this. We were best friends for a year. And we were working on that relationship with one another all through that time. What happens in our lives is that if we have someone we need to invest in, how many times can you do that? How often can you do that? You cannot do that enough. And you invest in them. You spend time with them. You share with them. It's not simply that we're going to do something one and done. We're going to share with those people the message that Jesus has shared with us. And more importantly, the change that he's brought in our lives. How do you see that lived out in your life? Look in the mirror. Think about it. Is the talk the same thing as the walk? Are you living your life in such a way that people are seeing Christ in what you say and do? Do those match up? I just have to ask for forgiveness in my life where they don't, where those things don't match up because that happens all too often. But there's a change that comes in our life when Christ is Lord of us. And that is that forgiveness is a part of the relationship that we have. And I've had a lot of that with Karen, where she's had to forgive me for something I've said or something I've done. But more importantly, if I sin against her, who have I sinned against? Paul makes that abundantly clear. We know that any sin we commit is sin against God himself. And we need to ask forgiveness for him. But then Paul talks about the fact now, how are you going to be dealing with this person that you've sinned against if you don't go to that person and talk to them and work it out? I don't know where you are in your lives, but I find myself doing those kinds of things more and more often. Needing to go to somebody to be sure that I've taken care of what that problem was that I had with them. Asking for forgiveness. Asking that we move on in Christ and in this relationship. And it takes a lot of switching to do that. That you can't be the person that you were for generations and for years. And the point is that in our lives, we need to recognize that we can't hope things are going to happen. 
Who is it that you have who are family members, members that you know that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Who is it that you know that you work with? Who are your neighbors? Who are your friends? Who are, and you know what, Lord, I'm praying all the time, Lord, send someone, does this sound familiar to you? Send someone to share Christ with them. When all the time that someone is me. Does that sound like a familiar passage of Scripture? Who will go for us? Here I am. Send Robert. Is that the way it works? Send Robert. Send Nick. Send somebody else. But Lord, don't send me. They're trained. They're prepared. When we yield our hearts to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we give, we give all. You can't give heart, part of your heart. You can't do that. And so this is the switch that comes. And the switch, I'm going to use mix my metaphors. My English teacher taught me not to say fishing, but it's also said don't mix metaphors. But I'm going to do that. This is where that switch went off in Peter's head, I think. Peter realized, is he sharing that message with those at Pentecost, that day of Pentecost, he's sharing it. He realized why all those people came around Jesus all the time. Why 3,000 here, 4,000 here, sick people constantly coming, people bringing their kids to be blessed. Peter realized it at this experience. Why did he realize it? Because everything I believe Peter had done up until that point, he had done in his own strength and in the fact that he was hoping, hoping that Jesus was still in him and with him. But after Pentecost, after the presence of the Holy Spirit filled his life, what a message he shared. Read that whole second chapter uh, when you get home today. Read that message and see what he shares. Because he shares with those people what it means to give all your heart, to give all your life, to give all your strength to the God that you love so much. And we see that message lived out in his life constantly as he gave his life. Didn't mean that Peter didn't mess up. It doesn't mean that Peter didn't fail, but Peter sought to do everything he could possibly to share that message. Fishing is more than wishing. Fishing also takes some switching. Look at verse 38, if you would, in Acts 2. Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit the promise is for you, for your children, for all those who are far off, for all those whom our Lord will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. <clears throat> Repentant is that initial step that you and I need to take. And that means basically that we don't stay where we were. That it's a turnaround in our lives. And that's what that word repent means. That we change directions. We can't keep going the same way that we've been going our whole lives and expect Jesus to be walking with us because he's going one way and we're going another direction. There is a call for us to recognize that we are to repent. And that means to put that which we were doing behind us. It's not something that we carry with us. That's what I was alluding to earlier. It's not something we carry with us. It's not baggage that we need to drag along behind us the rest of our lives. It's because there's a new life that is in us. 
And that life is not ours. It belongs to Jesus Christ. And the fact that we've given our hearts to him, and in giving our hearts to him, we see that expression lived out in what we're about. There's a message that we see lived out in the lives of, of all those who were there. Repent and be baptized. To be in touch with that relationship that you have with Jesus because of his filling your lives and hearts. It's about remembering what it means to know that relationship is genuine in our lives. Romans 6, 23, you know that passage. For the wages of sin is death, but here it comes. But I earned my relationship with Jesus. Is that right? I worked, I preached, I did all this. I taught Sunday school, I sang in the choir. I was a church secretary, I was a minister of music, I was an associate pastor. I did all these things. Is that what it says? That the wages of sin is death. But here comes a key word. Peter uses it in that passage right there. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. It's a gift that God has for you this morning. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you don't know what it means to live and give your life to him, there's a message that God has for you. And he's got this wonderful gift. And it's the gift of a Savior who paid the price for your sins on Calvary's cross. And you don't have to try to be good enough. You don't have to work hard enough. Those things that you do, when Robert gets up here and sings, when the choir leads us, my prayer is that in each of our hearts, when I preach, when Nick is working with the students, that all of that is done for the glory of God and not for us because he is the one that's paid the price. He is the one that died on Calvary's cross. He's the one that's given us that life and that hope. That's what it means for us to switch, to move, to go the other direction. We don't wish for things to happen. We know things are going to happen because we know Christ is in us. And we have the assurance of that. Uh, again, Peter shares that in his message too. But then there are results that come from that. Results that come from our lives that probably should be the, the road signs that are there for us to see. Paul has to write the churches in Galatia a letter. You know why he has to write the churches in Galatia? Because they've forgotten. He even talks to them about that. They've forgotten what they're supposed to be about. They've forgotten what the message was. They've forgotten what they were. It was all about us. It was all about what we're doing, about how we are and what we get and how we gain. And Paul says this. He talks to them about the obvious signs that are out there in our lives that should tell us something about. In Galatians 5.19, he says these words. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft. You know what? <laughs> when I hear this passage, I go, all right, I'm doing pretty well. I don't think, Karen, am I any of those things? I'm not involved in any of that stuff. Thank you, Lord. Does this sound familiar? Thank you, Lord, for not making me like all those other people out there that are so sinful, that are so terrible. Does Paul stop there, though? Look at the rest of that list. 
in Galatians 5. He goes on. These are the gotchas. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And listen to what he says. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is a stop sign. You know, most people in Evansville don't know what a yield sign is for sure. They don't have any idea what that is. Most, I found most people in Evansville don't know what a stop sign is. That is a stop sign if you haven't figured it out. That is a stop sign that tells us if we see any of those things in our lives, if we see any of those attitudes in our, this is your nature. That's what we're talking about here. This is who you are. As a believer, if you see this stuff in your life, you better stop and get right with God this minute. Because then he goes on. This is the beautiful, this is good stuff. I know you've been waiting for this. This is Galatians 5, 22. What does Paul say to those churches of Galatia? He says this. <clears throat> Excuse me. The gifts of the Spirit, that is the fruits of the Spirit, are love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no stop sign, Paul says, against these. Just keep going. Keep doing it. It's been my privilege to, to know people. I, I don't count myself as being a person that's fulfilling all these things. I've known two people that were just like this. They're both named Nancy. I don't know if we have any Nancys here. Don't raise your hand. But I bet you there are some. They were both Nancys. And you know, in their lives, I saw Galatians 5.22 lived out. Give me just a second. I'll, I, I, Karen's going, oh, no, don't do this. <laughs> I'm going off track here. We were taking a group, Nick, a group of 20-plus high school, junior high students on a mission trip. And I had two people that I asked, a couple, help us with this, go with us. And I said, and I want you to invite another couple to come with you too, to help us on kind of helping keep the kids straight, do all that kind of stuff, and then help us with the food. Uh, if you'd help maybe get prepared, do those kinds of things with the food. Uh, and so they came back and they said, I'd like, I better not say, I'd like Nancy and her husband to come. And my first thought was, oh, no, I'm not going to be able to stand all this goodness. It's going to overwhelm me. Because every time Nancy saw me, she called me. You can tell where I was when this was going on. She called me, honey, honey, honey this and honey that. And I thought, oh, I can't stand that, Lord. You know what happened about the third day after spending three days with a bunch of teenagers locked in a house together and ministering with them, you know who I began to 
seek out. I began to seek her out. And I can still hear her saying, Bob, God is doing a wonderful thing through your life with these students. How many of us in this room today have those qualities? Those are the nature that is ours. There's a call for every one of us to have those, not the nature that was our past, but the nature of the very presence. And that's the switching, and that's where it comes. Not through what we do, but through what God does through us and in us. That's what it means to switch. The message is pretty obvious. It's hard for some people to understand. Jesus told a story, didn't he, in Luke 15, of what it means to switch. Do you remember the story, which that one was? I'll say these words, and it'll make a difference to you. You'll probably remember it. And when he came to his senses, he recognized how many of his father's hired servants had more than enough. And when he came to, and when she came to her senses, my prayer would be if you're a believer here today and you find those first part, that first part of Galatians being fulfilled in the way that you think and the things that you do, that you would come to your senses and recognize what God has done for you and can do through you in the days ahead. That's what it means to genuinely switch. Not some New Year's resolution that you make that I'm not going to do this, that I forget about, but that you yield your whole life. What was the greatest commandment, Jesus was asked one day? Pretty simple, isn't it? Lord, the Lord, love the Lord your God. How? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might. And the second's like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love, that's pretty, is that pretty hard to remember? Love God, love people. That ought to be where we live. And that ought to be what this community, what your neighbors, what your family, what your friends see in each of us every day. That Jesus Christ is alive in us. Peter wraps things up with a pretty simple message. He shares with us what it means to have that relationship. And what it means is, is that we're making a difference because we see the results. Look at verse 41. Those who accepted the message were baptized and about almost 3,000 were added to their number. What would happen? What would happen today if 3,000 people came forward during this worship service to make a commitment to Jesus Christ to yield their lives and their hearts completely to him? What would happen to the city of Evansville if that happened? God knows, but he's trying to tell us if we'll only listen. 3,000 were added to the number that day. And look what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done through the apostles. The change comes in our lives when we live that hope out. And that's what Acts 2 42 and following is all about. Look at what they did. The first thing was they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They avoid, they, 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 Psalm 119, 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
They didn't have most of the letters at this time, right? They didn't have any letters probably because Peter hadn't written anything yet. Paul hadn't written anything. None of the disciples had written anything yet. Where are they going? They're going back to the truth of God's Word. They're going back to the truth of the law. They're going back to that message that God has shared with them for generations. And it, what it's about is that Word is a part of us. and It becomes in us, in our hearts. Jesus shared that with the people. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 33, you know the message. You know the, the message he, say, he shares with us. Seek, but seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these others will be added to you. What was he talking about when he shared that? That's the kingdom of God. It's about godly things, about his word. How about the fellowship that they have? That's John 13, 34 through 35. You know that passage. A new command I give you, love one another as I've loved you. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. Breaking bread together. You've probably done this not too long ago. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five. 25. Paul tells us this, this cup and this new covenant in my blood. Do it whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat and drink this bread and drink from this cup, what do you do? You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That you're living that. And finally, to pray. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. And then James comes back in James 4 too. You have not because you ask not. There's a call that God has for every one of us here today. If you're not a believer, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, don't wait. Don't wait. Don't say, I'll do that next week. I'll do that in the days ahead. If you're a member, if you're a believer here, and you've given your life and your heart to Jesus Christ, and you're going along the way that you've always gone along and nothing's changed in your life, this is an opportunity for you to say to God, I'm going to give my life back to you again. I want to renew that relationship I have with you. I'm going to leave this stuff behind that I've been dragging with me all these years. God calls us to make decisions because we make them every day, don't we? We make thousands of decisions every day. God asks you to make one today, and that is to love me, he says, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then you love these people who are around you. Peter got it. Peter understood it. Peter shared it. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for the truth of your word. And we thank you, Father, for what it means to be that disciple that you've called us to be. Not because of what we've done, but because of what you're ready to do through us. Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website, gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.